how to fill out an I-9 form, how to avoid fines, audits, and stay in compliance. So this is a topic that you might be wondering, okay, why don't we just email you some directions how to fill out a form? And the reason is, this is the number one most audited thing that happens to employers in the, in, in the simplest, easy way for them to fix, but the most common way that employers get in trouble and they don't mean to. So the fix is easy, and we have the great, the best coach in the world here to, to talk us through it. Uh, my guest today, many of you guys know Mary Simmons. She's the vice president of HR consulting uh, at Assure. She's a SHRM certified professional. Uh, for the last eight years, she's been an adjunct professor at the New York Institute of Technology. And prior to Assure, she was the director of HR consulting for a 55-year-old HR consulting firm in New York. Welcome back, Mary. Thank you. Okay, so so Mary, set the stage. Why why are we having this conversation to talk about this topic versus a blog post or a two minute explainer video? How to fill out a form? Yeah, and and you know, it's not the most exciting of topics, right? <laughs> we we have a lot sexier topics that that we have talked about in the past, Mike, for sure. But, you know, there's two camps of employers out there that we're assisting with their HR, right? So I have one camp of employers that say, don't tell me anything about the I-9. I don't want to know. I'm a restaurant or I'm a manufacturer. And I know I have people that, you know, may not, you know, pass the muster of an I-9. But these are the workers that I can find right now. So don't tell me about I-9s because if I know about them, I'll get into trouble. So I just want anybody listening who's in that camp um, to understand that not knowing or pretending you don't know about I-9s will not defend you in any way, shape, or form, right? I liken it to if you're driving down the highway and you're going 90, and the police officer pulls you over, if you say, oops, sorry, officer, I didn't know the speed limit was 65, you tell me whether or not he's going right. to give you a ticket. For sure, you're getting a ticket and you're getting a fine. And in some states, that might even put you in jail, depending on how far you are over the speed limit. So, right. you know, I say this all the time, Mike, but you cannot contract around the law, right? You can't manipulate the law to make it convenient for you. And, you know, as HR consultants, one of our main pillars is to keep our, um, the people that we work with, the clients that we work with compliant. And so you have to fill out the I-9 form, right? Can't contract around the law, you have to do it. Um, And then the other camp is, you know, doing the I-9, but maybe they have somebody, I was just talking to an employer yesterday and they're like, yeah, you know, the guys out in the field on the trucks, on the construction site are the ones that are completing the I-9. And my question was, have you ever trained them in how to do I-9s? And the employer kind of looked at me funny, Mike, and they were like, what do you mean? Have I trained them? Well, it's, you know, it is on the facer very simple, right? It's not that difficult when you look in it. Look at it, right? There's, you know, areas to fill out, and you fill them out. Um, right. 
but it does go beyond that. And when the auditors come in, you know that word auditor, you know, it has a very serious and sometimes a negative connotation. And I will tell you, when the Division of Homeland Security, ICE Division comes in to do an I-9 audit, they are looking Right. What are they paid to do, Mike? They're paid to make sure <laughs> that you're filling out that I-9 correctly. And right. they will nitpick those I-9s. You know, I've been through many an audit with our employers, and I can tell you some of the things that they find them for. I'm scratching my head and going, really? <laughs> you know, but, you know, they're there, you know, to make sure that these are filled out completely. Completely so, and correct. So let, let, let's let's segue and maybe kind of kind of come back, to, come up twenty thousand feet here. So, like, I, my, it's my personal opinion. I've worked with a lot of employers. They they fill out, uh, uh, they have their employees, you know, some type of onboarding documentation, whether it's good advanced electronic, like in an HR system like ours, or it's uh, you know paper and pencil, doesn't matter. Um, in because they personally file taxes and they've personally been an employee of someone in their life, uh, they they uh, they know how to fill out a say a W four themselves, right? So they know how to coach their employee. Hey, how do I interpret you know how many deductions and, and whatnot? So I think most employers just kind of have to have their head know how to coach an employee through that. Most empl employers probably, especially new employers, gr small growing companies don't really know how to coach people through this. They just say, hey, here's the form, here's the instructions, have at it. So let, let's stop. What is the purpose of the yeah. I-9? You talk about Homeland Security. What, what, when did I-9s even become a thing? What's the purpose of them? Because that really kind of backs into the criticality of getting it right. Yeah, so... Oh, that was a loaded question or statement. Um, yeah. so, so let me try to hit on everything that you yeah. just said. So first of all, any employee who was employed after 1986, right? And, and I service clients who have people that started in 1985. Believe it or not, you don't have to do an, an I-9 if they were at your firm starting in 1985. But after 1986 and um, forward, Every single employee who draws a paycheck, right? So remember, employee, not a 1099, 1099s are not employees, must fill out an I-9. The purpose is to pr provide proof of eligibility to work in the United States. So, you know, one of the, one of the questions that I will ask, you know, when I'm, when I'm teaching my, HR class to employers, managers, right? Um, and or, you know, when I'm teaching my, you know, college level class um, for HR at NYIT, I will ask people, so if you're not a U.S. citizen, is, is an I-9 proof that you're a U.S. citizen? It is not. Right. You can still work in the United States if you're not a, a U.S. citizen, if you have the right identification. And this right. is where it really gets slippery and confusing for employers. This is where they're calling me and saying, I never saw this form, Mary. Can I take this? And by the way, the Division of, um, of DHS and ICE 
change what they accept and what expires and what doesn't expire and what matters. And, you know, we can't get into that level of detail today, but that is what, how we add value as HR consultants. So again, when you look at the form, you're like, wow, that seems pretty easy to fill out. But when you understand the nuances and you get an employee who gives you a form, um, you know, a green card or some type of eligibility that you haven't seen before, you know, it may be, you know, hard to understand. One thing that is very, very clear, you cannot accept anything that is expired, right? Um, but there are things that you ex can accept and say, okay, you've got a certain amount of time to get me the right form. And again, you can see where that gets confusing. And I want to also address uh, your statement, Mike, about how do, how do employers coach employees to fill out the I-9? Well, this can be a little bit of a slippery slope, right? Because I had an employer once, and what we recommend is that uh, one of the projects we do for our clients is an I-9 audit. Very important. And face it, Mike, you can't do an audit on yourself, right? Because <laughs> if you did it incorrectly, you're not going to know that you did it incorrectly. So you can't correct right. yourself. So right. it has to be an outside body and better for me to do the audit and help you correct it um, than have ICE come in and do an audit and fine you. Um, right. And one of the audits that I did, I noticed, wow. Mike, all of your employees brought in a social security card and a driver's license as their identification. I don't see any other forms of identification being provided. And they're like, well, that's what I tell them to bring in. I'm like, okay, let me give you a tip here. <laughs> you can't do that, right? So really you can get guidance. Why, 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 why can't they do that? Well, first of all, that can be seen as discriminatory because you will have people that um, don't have a driver's license because they can't afford a car. Um, and you may have individuals that don't have Social Security cards, um, but they have other eligibility paperwork um, from you Got know it. a foreign country to work Got in it. the United States. You Got cannot it. tell employees what identification to bring. You must give them the instructions and then they choose from those instructions what identification they can bring. And of course, you do have to give them some guidance, right? Because <laughs> the instructions are very long. And so they may, you know, say to themselves, you know, I don't know how many employees actually read them because, you know, most employees have filled out the paperwork. The instructions right now are 15 pages long. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I do ask that every employer today, after you listen to this, reads those instructions because they are instructions for the individual filling them out, but they will help employers help their managers to understand how to guide um, individuals to fill out the form. Really, when you're guiding them, Mike, you, you're answering questions and you're looking at the form and saying, please fill this piece in because you didn't fill that in, right? You, it's, it's a check. You're checking them. And then yeah. you have a portion, right? So uh, the portion at the top 
Section one must be filled out by the employee. Don't touch it as an employer. I'm I'm now realizing There's, what what word word I used that triggered you. I said how to coach employees. <laughs> uh, coaching <laughs> connotes steering and advising versus just explaining instructions. I I I, I got you. Okay, so 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 jump into it. Um, I'm, I, I okay. want you to, to to share you know really practical advice for folks. How should they be completing the I nine? Um, and, and maybe as you, cause trusting, so 15 pages is a lot, maybe not everybody does it, but we'll trust everybody can read that's watching today's show. Yeah. Um, uh, as you give the advice, kind of share the why you're explaining it this way, because here's what the mistake people make in, 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 in where they get yeah. it wrong. Yeah. And I, and I want to um, also tell everybody that <laughs> the I-9 form that you're using right now um, is set to expire. Um, and, right. and this has happened before where ICE will say, we know it expired. Keep using that form until we create a new form in 2023. Um, they're not exactly sure when that new form is coming out. But they did give us a tiny bit of information about that new form. So as I go through how to fill out the form um, right now, currently, um, I will also tell you some of the proposed changes. And then we will put the new form on our website when it comes out uh, so that you can get it. And again, this is something we will coach and counsel your managers on. Anybody who is filling out the I-9 in your organization will definitely need some training to fill out the new form. Um, the current form, Mike, uh, any no um, sections can be left blank. If there is a section that um, is not to be filled out, for example, somebody who doesn't have a middle name, you must put NA, not applicable. In that, in that section. And again, if it's section one, the employee needs to, to fill out that area. And so that's where you would look over the form after they fill it out and you start to fill in your section. And you'd say, Mike, you left this blank. Please put NA there. Okay. Now, the proposed changes, and I don't want to confuse anybody, but I want to be as thorough as I can in this, you know, in this session that we have today. They will allow some blank spaces. And I, and I know we're getting really nitty picky, but I will tell you, Mike, I've seen employers go through an audit and they left areas blank on the previous form and they were fined. Okay. So you're, Sometimes you're, you're saying, just going to slap the, on the wrist. You're saying the new one that's going to come, there's, you're, you believe that there will be blanks allowed, but currently today there can't be blanks. That's what you're saying? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Additionally, the instructions, which are 15 pages long, they're going to call down to seven pages. So okay. that's another one of the changes. And, and Mike, we, you know, you and I, we will definitely send out information, instructions on the new I-9, because the gist of what we're going to talk about today will be the same on the new form as it is on the current form. Um, so, you know, as we said, section one is for the employee to fill out 
One important thing that I want to note, and again, this is from going through multiple I-9 audits with clients, um, is that you must use, I would use the same pen color. So whatever, if the employee is using a black pen, you use a black pen. Never can you use a pencil and you cannot have I-9 on the uh, white out on the form anywhere. Okay, on the physical form, right? You can't really have whiteout if they're filling it out electronically. Um, so, right. But on the physical form, no whiteout. They they just assume, you know, look, you probably made a mistake and you go to white it out. But when they come to audit, they think you doctored it, right? right. So that's why they're going to fine you. S- speak to so the color, some color other pen things. Also, stick on the color pen. I'm assuming there's not a legal requirement, but I think I know what the practical advice is is behind that. Why is it that you're coaching people to use the same colored pen? Again, they, the auditors often you will get when they do an audit, and we're going to talk a little more about audits in a minute, but when they come in to do the audit, a lot of times they'll give you, most often they give you three days, right? And that's when my employers call me and say, yikes, Mary, get over here, you know, help me with this, you know, get prepared for this audit. Right. Okay. When they come to do the audit, if there's two different pen colors, they think you, you edited that form, which you shouldn't do in most cases. When you do make changes, right? When I come in to do an audit for you, or I do that audit virtually, I will say to you, Mike, I see that there is not NA in those blank areas. For example, please put NA on that form. But in the truest sense of auditing your I-9s, what ICE will instruct you, and I will mirror that instruction, is that you should say, we did a self-audit, or and it was performed by Assure Consulting on such and such a date or dates. These are the corrections we found and made. Okay? But you don't want to make, you know, so sometimes when you make those corrections, you put a little initial, right? And you, and or you list on your summary sheet, what you changed. You don't want it to make it look like you were trying to slip something under the rug, right? And that goes for any audit, right? It's kind of like audit rules. (laughs) Um, One other thing, I had an employer uh, call the other day about the Spanish I-9 form. Right now, that form, now remember what ICE is, what the I-9 is form. The I-9 is to is to show that employees have eligibility to work in the U.S. There are many forms um, that are provided in Spanish, okay? The I-9 in Spanish is meant for Puerto Rico only. It is not meant for Spanish speakers um, in the rest of the U.S., okay? So... So let me just talk to this for a minute. What I have done in the past is I have given that copy of the I-9 to somebody who's bilingual as guidance, but they fill out the English version of the I-9, okay, outside of Puerto Rico, okay? 
when you have an individual, right? So it's not mandatory that you speak English to work in the United States. You just have to be eligible to work in the United States. Right. Um, there is a section on the I-9 um, on page one uh, entitled preparer and or translator certification. This is for individuals who may not be able to write themselves. They may not be able to read because they may be blind. And it is for an individual who cannot understand English. They can bring in a translator. The organization is not mandated to provide a translator. Um, but of course, I recommend that employers with a, uh, a population that is largely um, Spanish speakers, I have a manufacturer like that and, you know, they get a lot of referrals from from their, you know, the individuals that already work there that are, you know, friends or family and they are Spanish speakers. You know, we trained, you know, somebody in management to to guide them and be the translator for them. Um, but the employee can bring a family member or a friend to help them fill out the I-9, and, and that goes the same for anybody who cannot fill out that form themselves. That section is for uh, to, for them to have guidance, either translation or, or they need somebody to fill out the form for them, okay? The, the documentation is the same, okay? Um, so the other thing that I think is really important that everybody understands is that during COVID, ICE came out and, and many regulations were changed during COVID that you could remotely have individuals fill out the I-9 form, right? So that means that they were either doing it electronically or you were um, sending them a physical I-9 form. Uh, they were filling it out and then sending it back to you either electronically or, or through the mail. They just just this week extended that again it was it was set to to sunset um last month or, or this month but they extended it till july 31st of 2023 okay. now let me stop there for a minute and i'm going to make an educated guess here the okay. world has changed forever and remote and hybrid um situations are going are here to stay going forward right. and there's there's lots and lots of organizations who always had a salesman in utah and the offices in texas that always existed right right, right. so you know some of the things that employers have done is you can have that individual in utah get a notary to notify notarize that those forms are such as they are, and have the individual fill those forms out. But to fill it out remotely, you can still do it until July 31st, 2023. Um, and my guess is they're going to extend that forever, but have have stronger parameters around it. As, it's, as it stands right now, after July 31st, 2023, they expect you to see those forms in person, physically, somebody, okay? Um, ICE also during COVID and extending until July of, of next year, 
what you can do with those forms is you can, the applicant, uh, now uh, uh, an employee, can designate somebody, a mother, a father, a sister, a brother, to verify that those forms are legitimate. Okay, so so employers have a lot of options. But again, Mike, this is where I think we add the most value. And and this is why I love my job. Right. Because we're here to help employers interpret these laws as they apply to them specifically. So how do they how how do they work it for their organization in particular? That's what I find um, it is is where we add the most value. So, so, Mary, um, so, so the, and if the I can just, yeah, it, it, I, I really want to make sure I, I have it have it right. So it's been extended through June next year, June of twenty three, July, July, July thirty first, two thousand twenty three. Uh, the ability to do these remotely. Are, are you saying that uh, part of the remote you do not have to have? These notarized by someone, uh, a, a notary uh, witnessing. You do not. Sign? Okay. You do not. So I'm a remote worker. <clears throat> I'm I, I'm working today in my home office in St. Louis. I just start working for this company, Assure, uh, in Austin, Texas. Uh, I get uh, my I nine form today. I can fill this form out. I can scan it. I can email it. I can do whatever. Uh, I don't have to have it notarized. Prior to the COVID situation, that would have had to been notarized, correct? Correct. Now, understand the precipitous here is that DHS is saying after July 23, I do in the future want you to see those forms in person. But I'm making an educated guess here that they with these changes that they're going to make yeah. to the form, uh, they have also whispered that they're going to find a way to make that remote uh, I-9 easier, right? So that you don't have to see them physically. Now, whether or not they do it, I can't promise. I'm just making an educated guess. Yeah, yeah. There has been and something. And until they come out with, Yeah. It, it, it's felt yep. very it's out of date for a very long time because, like you say, remote work has been yes. around for you know twenty plus years. Uh, right, right, long, right. long before COVID. So, yeah. And and asking yeah. pre-COVID, so, asking your employee who works somewhere else to go find a notary, it's like they don't even know where. That's that's not even an easy thing to do anymore. It used to be you could go to your bank and have something notarized. And now you go to a bank and there's not even a human being that works there. And if they do, there's not a notary. In them. <laughs> so it's, it's harder. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> and then, you know, currently, you know, the I-9 is two pages. They're promising to cull it down to one page um, and put there's a recertification. So if I leave assure and then I come back in a certain amount of time, you can just recert me instead of having me fill out a new I-9. They're going to pull that off and have that as a separate form. So hopefully they call it down to one page. It used to be one one page, I-9. So I think they can do it. Um, but currently it's two pages. So the second page has a small section um, with the employee's information needs to be filled in again. And 
the employer can fill out that information, but the employee, um, the employer has a section on the second page to fill in. Um, and this should be completed by their first day and you should get that documentation by the third day. So, you know, you can fill it in and then the employee says, oops, I forgot, or I applied for a new social security card. I have the form that says it's coming. I filled it out, I'm getting it, here's my license. And you can wait um, a while for that, but no documentation by their third day of employment, you must send them home and stop paying them. And this is a big sticking point with a lot of of my employers. I understand it's hard to find people right now. You know, this employee is saying, I lost my driver's license or "I, I lost my green card, whatever it is. If they show you proof that they're looking for it, I I hired an attorney once um, for an employer and she lost her identification or her wallet had been stolen the week before. I had proof that she gave me that she applied for a new license and she applied for a new social security card. And that would probably pass the muster for an auditor. You hear me say might, right? Because I never say never. And I never say always when it comes to human resources. And I, you know, ICE has rules and then the auditors all, you know, they look at them differently. (laughs) But, um, you know, the employers that, that I support will say, no, I need this employee. I know they don't have any identification, but I need this employee. And look, we are here to advise. We are here to protect you. We are here to customize things. Um, but I'm not ICE, right? I'm on your side. Um, I'm on the employer's side to protect right. you. Um, so, you know, it, it, we advise and then the employers do what what the employers do. But that second sesh, section, that second page, um, and it'll probably be the bottom of the first page when the new form comes out, that's where I really need to do the training with the managers and whomever is filling out an I-9. There is some specifics there, Mike, um, that I really would go over in person because that's where the auditors are going to get you, right? How did you fill out that you took the driver's license? Did you fill in New York State driver's license? Put the full um, number and the expiration date. All of that has to be filled in. Yeah. yeah. So that's the basics of how to fill out the form. Um, but of course, when we do the training with managers and owners, we, we go into much more detail. Okay. So we've got the form filled out correctly. <clears throat> We're using the right one. We know that Spanish version is only for Puerto Rico. It's not for Spanish speakers. We have to, you have to work with those employees, translator, facilitate that to happen, make sure they understand the instructions. Okay, we've got it filled out correctly, no blanks. Uh, we got proper documentation. What, what do we do now? How, how do we, how do we properly store this information, track this information? Uh, uh, what, what are our legal requirements? What's your practical advice? So 
this is again, I think where we add value, right? I always say to employers, I'm going to keep you compliant. I'm going to keep giving you updates and helping you understand how to, how to customize that for your organization. I'm also going to give you best practices. And that's really where I'm going to pull your HR function from operational, administrative up to strategic. And when it comes to I-9s, here's my best advice. Look, all HR documentation has different storage timeframes, where you store it, how you store it. The I-9 is no different. You can store those I-9s either physically, if you are still physically accepting I-9s. Best practice is to put the, have an I-9 binder. Why you might ask, Mike? <laughs> the answer to that is because when ICE comes in, I don't want them looking in your employee files. I want them looking only at the I-9. Now, mm. they're, they're not really going to, and they don't have the authority to say, uh, you know, I see some medical forms in the employee folder, or they're not secure, um, and, and I'm going to, you know, tattletale on you, but they might, right? Once one age, government agency sort of has your name, because they audited you, what I've seen, and I don't think it's coincidental, but I have no proof, is they do get, you know, audits from, you know, the other, you know, the DOL happens to come in, you know, right after that. So best practice, I've never if heard that you before. are doing your I-9s, I'm sorry? I said, that's really interesting. I never heard or thought about that before. I just, in my brain, I would have been storing uh, businesses I've been involved in. I did. I stored it all together. I had all, yeah. all my onboarding documentation, yeah. all the paperwork associated with a person, one folder in, in, in the uh, in, Oh, in, in no, the no, sir. No, sir. So the I-9, um, I recommend you pull it out and you have two binders physical. We'll talk about physical first. One binder um, just do it alphabetical. It'll make your life easier. Is yeah. active employees, right? So understand, I-9 forms must be kept for either three years after the employee's hire date or one year after termination date, whichever is longer, later, okay? I have to remind myself that all the time, right? Um, so your your second binder is terminated employees. And ICE is going to, when they audit you, they're going to look at both. Okay. So what the reason you are taking those, um, when an employee terminates, Mike, I'm moving Scott's I-9 into the terminated binder and making sure that I'm keeping it for the time frame that I just said is so that when that time frame is up, right? So you're gonna have to look in your terminated binder, weekly, monthly, whatever your cadence is, look in that. What I used to do is say to the employers, look, you just put Scott in there and you know that you can destroy his I-9 a year from today, okay? Put a, put a calendar, have an Excel spreadsheet, whatever it, it is that, you know, works best for you to get that out of there and shred it. Okay. Because the less I nine forms that they have to audit, the better off you're going to be. Okay. That's so um, interesting. And, I, and they, they will say to you, get rid of these old ones. 
So Mary, you're saying okay. even for once so, you pass the three-year window for current employees? No, no, no. Terminated only. So current so employees, full- you keep them for the life of the employee. I misunderstood that. Okay, that, I thought I heard something different. And okay. a terminated folder. The terminated folder gets destroyed three years after the employee's <clears throat> hire date or one year after their term date, whatever's longer. Got it. So okay. you can also keep your I-9s. And, I, you know, I just think this is so much easier. We're talking about remote workforces. Even if you don't have a remote workforce, it is so much easier if you use, you know, our, you know, electronic onboarding, advanced HR, and you send those onboarding documents to Scott, my new employee, ahead of time. It's just going to make, you know, the process when they start that much easier. When you send the I-9, my friends, send those instructions for them to look at. Um, And the I-9 is right now electronic. And what they are promising for 2023 is that it will be very compatible with every um, electronic device. So I don't know that it is, I think there's probably, I haven't heard that anybody's had problems with it electronically, um, but it's not super pretty on a phone, Um, but they're gonna make it very compatible to be done electronically. So electronically, Mike, you have a couple of options. Right. You could put that I or those I-9s in an electronic folder that says electronic I-9s, you know, and active and terminated, just like the binders, just mirroring the binders. Um, But I will say that you probably could put them electronically um, into the employee's file. And this is why. So the auditors. Haven't really caught up with the remote. So right now, I will tell you the last couple of audits and the last couple of audits were pre-COVID. They were not out in the field during COVID. They were home, the auditors. Okay. So um, not a lot of audits going on. Um, They did do some remotely. Right. And then you would be sending, you know, a PDF file over to them anyway. Right. Um, but think about it. How much easier would it be to have that I-9 in separate folders? It would save you a lot of time. Um, but pre-COVID, I had employers who were keeping the I-9s, um, electronically, easy, you know, simplified, etc. And when the auditors came in, they asked for them to be printed. Really? So if they were in one location, it would be a lot easier. Yeah, they can they can ask you to do it any way you want. Think about yeah, any audit. Right. They can ask for the right. the you know, so and and maybe they'll catch up with that, you know. So we will update everybody, you know, in 2023 when they make those changes, we're going to make sure that we are the first people to tell you how to how to how they have updated themselves. Um but for now, um, even electronically, you could put it in the employee file, but you might want to also have an electronic uh, folder with all of the I-9s active and terminated. Make your life a little bit easier. That's, Mary, that's what I would do. Best so, 
So uh, I've said this a million times, I'll say it a million more. The purpose of the show is to share the best information possible with employers. It's not to help anybody game the system. So, uh, you know, we want to help everybody to be compliant and to comply. Um, do you have a sense for what, what, what is the, <clears throat> how much scope does, a, does say, an ICE officer have on an audit coming for I-9s for someone who does have these records electronically commingled. And let's just assume employers done nothing wrong, but uh, kind of like you said, the purpose Correct. of it, if you're going to do it physically, you have a binder, say, hey, here's your I-9s, L- look at them, ex- explore them, but you don't need to be looking at all my personnel files. If I am storing this electronically, does that does that auditor have a legal right to say, hey, give me login and give me access to your HR system so that they can just kind of dig around and hunt? Or, or where do they? No, I mean, they, they don't have the time and that's not really their scope, right? So they're just going to say, let me see the I-9s. And you'll okay. say, hey, can I sit you down and let you look at this, uh, this electronic file uh, where they all are? <clears throat> and they may say yes and they may say no. See, okay. so what happens when they come to do an audit is they're going to give you a notice of inspection, Okay. That gives you three days to produce the I-9 forms. And you're going to work with your audited auditor because I'm just going to tell you, they're just, they're all a little bit different um, in their request, right? And so you can say, can I send you, you know, an electronic file and can you look at them electronically or do you need them, you know, in paper? And I think things are evolving, um, but I will tell you, that that is a regular inspection. If ICE gets notification from maybe a disgruntled employee, maybe, you know, somebody who knows you're not doing I-9s, if they get a complaint like that, they can come in that day and they've been known to look at your I-9s that day. Okay. Um, If you have three days, call me. And we're going to fix it. We're going to help you get get things in order. Okay. Um, but I'm just saying, you know, the la- one of the big audits I did, Mike, the employer was a manufacturer with 500 employees. Can you imagine looking at 500 forms in three days? You know, I brought a team with me. We got through them. Um, well, and they literally had that, to terminate. Right? It's only 500 uh, yeah. if, if they have 0% turnover for the last decade, right? Because if there's turnover, right. it's a hell of a lot You're more right. than that. You're right. There was definitely, yep, there was terminated forms that we had to look at, too. You're absolutely right. Um, they had to end up terminating, uh, you know, my recommendation, seven individuals who they did oh. not have proper identification for. And the individuals couldn't supply proper identification. Look, I've had employers hire, you know, Joe Smith. And a year later, Joe comes in sheepishly and says, here's my social security card. And it says, you know, John Jones. And they're like, what? And he's like, "Mm, yeah, John Jones. Because you can buy social security cards, you know, false social security cards. Um, So you have to be careful. But you don't have to be an auditor. If an employee gives you identification or shows you identification that looks legitimate, 
Yeah. You're not going to get fined on that, right? You don't have to be an audit auditor level, you know, to hold it up to the light and and all that. But you know, right. uh, so, you know, <laughs> if it's blatant, then then you would need to know. Um, and so after your audit, they will give you um, a review of the issues and the violations that they want to levy. Okay. You can negotiate with them, believe it or not, and say, mm. listen, you know, this is the reason for this. We're changing it. We did the audit before you came in. These are the checks and balances. So that they, they really just want to know that you're going to be in compliance going forward. And, and they, they're not going to say, okay, you don't have any fines. Uh, but, you know, if you negotiate properly and, and, and respectfully and they see there's checks and balances and, you know, you want to be in compliance going forward, I have found that they will lower uh, those um, on a pretty consistent basis. It, it, it's rare that I've seen an auditor dig in and say, you know, no, um, I'm not changing those. Uh, and when they do the audit, you're going to have two different kinds of that violations that they're going to find technical and substantive. Okay. Now the technical ones are for those of you who are listening and going out, oh, no worries, Mary, I fill out my I nines. I think I'm all, I think I'm all good. Um, but in the beginning of this, I said, they get very particular about how you fill them out. So, be careful about the errors. Make sure you're training your, your managers on how to fill them out. Those technical errors um, can be something like having whiteout on your your I-9. Um, it could be, you know, filling out the I-9 um, 10 days after the employee started versus the three days. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of technical errors that they can find. Now, the substantive violations are what they sound like they are. They're egregious in the eyes, eyes of the law, and they are typically the result. Um, that's where most of your fines are going to come out of, and the bigger fines um, that are going to happen will for dis distortion of the facts. And I can tell you, for those of you listening, when you don't have any I-9s, and in particular, if you have I-9s for some people and not other individuals in your organization, they're going to come down hard. I have had more than one employer come to me after they got the notice from ICE of an audit uh, for me to assist them. And they had zero I-9s. And I'm sorry to say I've had more than one of those individuals actually go out of business because these penalties can be anywhere from $252, right, for whiteout, right, to mm -hmm. $2,507 per work violation. Meaning, if you made the same error on all 500 employees, multiply $2,507 times 500 employees. You can see where that adds up. Your yeah. first offense um, can even be up to, you know, for, for some, you know, violations, um, 
can be even as high as 5,000. I've seen um, second offenses, you know, they're going to more than double it, like 1,200, 500, uh, 12,537. I don't know why the numbers are so odd, but they are. <laughs> why can't it just be 12,500? But anyway, and then the third offense can go all the way up to 25,000 plus per no. violation. Yeah. And, and you can have multiple um, violations per I-9. Is it, is it possible to have multiple yes. violations per I-9, not per employee, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, of course. Of course, because <laughs> most likely if the same person has been filling out the I-9 or if you as an employer instructed all your managers in a certain way to fill out the I-9 a certain way, then th those mistakes are going to be rampant, right? They're going to be on all of your I-9s. And um you know, and again, I'm not saying any, I don't like to scare employers because I'm going to help, um, but, yeah. but it's real. And, and, um, you know, I'm, you know, very I, passionate I, I'm, I'm about with, helping people. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Mary. We're, yeah. we're not trying to scare people here, but, but everyone should understand the seriousness of this. Right. And, and I think if you just look, step back and look at the macro climate here, <clears throat> um, no matter whether you lean left, lean right, red, blue, whatever, clearly uh, immigration is a is a growing topic. Um, our 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 uh, workforce is becoming more and more diverse. Uh, the workforce is becoming more and more virtual. Um, all things that impact a simple little two, currently two page, soon to be one page form called the I nine. And if you get it <laughs> wrong, right? The penalties can, in fact, be huge. And, uh, you know, it's hard to say that you firsthand have seen businesses go out of business because the fines are so big. One of the things yeah. that, when you're, that just struck me, in case people aren't, I hate to say it this way, they may be scared straight on doing I-9s the right way uh, from a <laughs> compliance perspective. I just thought about yeah. that manufacturer you're talking about 500 employees and you had to uh, had to make the recommendation to terminate what seven of them or five of them those people yeah. relied on those paychecks to feed their families likely i mean I, i'm just envisioning a head of household who thought they filled out the i-9 correctly three or five years ago and they're working their butts off day in day out being a good person in feeding their family and because we as employers didn't do the proper job making sure the form got filled out correctly the right documentation and backup and it was stored properly i mean it's not just us that we're talking about that gets impacted it's it's employees who may be perfectly legal to work here but the form was wrong so th this is this is to certainly it's about compliance the purpose of the show is to help businesses and entrepreneurs stay compliant and get the best information they can. But there's a real human impact if we get this wrong beyond fines and have in the pain in the butt dealing with auditors, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mary. What what else around uh compliance? So we talked about uh the form. The form itself, it's not that it's that hard but there are some minimum requirements. You got to fill out every single field <clears throat> in the form. Um, uh, your advice is use, uh, you got to use pen, no pencil, and use the same color pen just so we show, show consistency throughout. 
so that an auditor, auditor looks at it and says, hmm, two different pens. Did the employee do this portion, the employer that portion? We just don't want to send out those red flags, right? Uh, Spanish right. is not for Spanish speakers. It's only for Puerto Rico workers. Uh, and uh, there's there's uh, changes with COVID in the past. Uh, if you were a remote worker, this would have had to been notarized. Currently, there's a stay, if you, so to speak, uh, on that that goes through July of next year. Probably is going to get extended right. permanently, but uh, still to be seen right. there. Uh, and then store these things right. separate. Don't store your I-9s in the employee folder because when an audit comes, they're just going to say, show me your I-9s. And your advice is right. to have two binders, whether physical or electronic, my current employees and my uh, former employees. So they have all the documentation there. And uh, it is, tell me if I'm getting, getting it right here, uh, it's uh, you are you're on at you're least on point. If it's an at current employee, I got to keep that on file for as long as they're an employee. In my terminated uh, binder my, uh, folder, uh, it is for at least three years or one year after they left employment, whichever is longer, right? In and, and so that's that's Good the job. that's the okay. So that's the that's the guts of it. Don't get it wrong because yep. the cost can be high. Uh, not just to you, yes. but to, to impacted employees. Okay. Anything else you'd want to say to put a bow on this, uh, on this topic? I mean, I just can't, I can't recommend highly enough that managers need to be trained in how to fill these out. Um, you know, reach out to us so that we can, you know, help you with an I-9 audit so that you are prepared so that you can put your head on your pillow at night and go, even if ICE comes in, I feel, you know, 100% confident that I'm going to sail through that that audit. So th those, the points that you made and the fact that you really need to do self-audit, have somebody do a self-audit, um, that, that'll protect you and, and I think give you peace of mind. Okay, Mary, I always learn a ton from you. And, I, and, it's, and I'm embarrassed to say in this one, I'm like, I've personally done it wrong in some of my businesses over the years. And, uh, and, and I'm fortunate. And I, and I know a couple of people that I'm going to reach out to after the, we hang up to, to give some uh, corrective advice. I love this idea about separating the I-9s out of personnel folders. So uh, really, really uh, enjoyed the conversation. And for everyone else, uh, if, if there's anything we can do to help in this area, I think Mary, Mary said it well. Uh, clearly, we are a payroll and tax filing provider, uh, but I think some of the most strategic help we can provide employers is staying compliant in HR and also the other side of the HR coin, uh, finding talent, retaining talent, developing talent to build great teams uh, in, in, a, in a world where uh, it's harder and harder because the war for talent has hit Main Street. Mary, thanks for your time and thanks for everybody else.